Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival and Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation. I'm your host, John Brooks, and with me, as always, is co-host Kevin Miller. Kevin, how are you now? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Great. Right. Uh, just got off of work, cruised by uh, Casa de Miller, and uh, yeah, record a little intro, outro for Mr. Matt George. I'm really happy to uh, have Matt, or sorry, Matt on the podcast i can't really talk I'm about halfway through my yeah. morning coffee yeah and uh you you get four hours of sleep regularly when you're on shift yeah yeah right. i got yeah like 3 30 got to bed last night like 3 30 and up at six so oh, yeah. i was i was i i had to take morgan to something the other morning early and i got four hours of sleep you would have thought you know <laughs> i was you get used to it i was run over for the whole day i was cranky I was uh, like, oh man, it was horrible. You get used to it. And, uh, and our guest today, Matt George, uh, can attest to that. He's done a lot of philanthropic work around the world with, um, aid and, uh, bringing in, um, like medical aid and water filters and food and things like that into some of these third world places that we go and surf. Yeah. And, pulling people out of buildings and yeah. oh my God, just amazing what he's done on his uh, spare time when he's not getting waves, he's giving back. And uh, speaking of uh, of surf and waves, he was on the Surfer Magazine TV show as a host for the first two years, and that was a huge uh, thing for me. I, I used to record those on VHS and play them over and over over again. And they're actually available now on Surf Network, the Surf Network that Ira Opper produced. And uh, it's an app on your Apple TV, and 
you can find all those Matt George episodes back there. They're wonderful. The Costa Rica episode sent me to Costa Rica two days after I graduated high school. Yeah, yeah. That's a great uh, resource that you pretty much almost any surf movie that's ever been made is is on there. So Wonderful stuff. Yeah, and it's um, growing. He's got a lot of great content coming out every, yeah. every week. Yeah, but it was so cool to, to have a chat with uh, with Matt. He's in Indonesia um, where he currently resides. and um, Got a new book out. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. In, in deep, uh, Matt George's new uh, book of uh, like old school journalistic writings. I say old school because everybody curates their own content now, and there's nothing really like it anymore. Yeah, the Surfers Journal does a pretty good job, but pretty good. They do a great job, but you know, I'm saying that like, it's tough to find that kind of a five day intensive visit with somebody in their house and uh, learning who they are. Yeah, you know? and I think you know, like pro surfers. Um, in this day and age, they probably have no concept of what that would be like. Think about you're an up and coming professional surfer and you find out that this journalist who writes for the magazine that you idolize and hope to be in, or, or maybe just getting in is going to come live with you for five days. Dude, that'd be nerve wracking. Yeah. You'd be like, Oh my God, I won't look like an idiot in front of this guy. Hey, he's going to go to school and hang out in the back of the classroom yeah. and stuff and yeah. see what's going on with the chemistry in the classroom. Yeah. And that, and see how other teachers and students treat you because everybody knows what you're up to. Exactly. Yeah. It's got to be trip, but just absolute craziness. So, well, anyway, let's kick it off, right? But yeah, yeah, it's so cool. We're uh, we're so stoked to talk to Matt. So enjoy our conversation with Matt George. Volume's okay. Yeah, volume's good. Got you down. Excellent. We're going to record through GarageBand, but we're going to have backup recordings on Zoom and our soundboard, so looks like we're covered. Great. Yeah. Well, look, I'm a real fan. I'm a real fan of uh, of Florida. I, one of the strange phenomenons that happened to me in my surfing career was every time I went there, the surf was insane. And, <laughs> you know, it was incredible, like Spanish House, and, you know, I'm surfing with, like, Keckley and Klugel and Kelly, and I'm like, what are you guys, are? Com- what are you complaining about over here? This <laughs> surf is fantastic, you know? I'm like, you guys are crazy, you know? So I've been very fortunate, very fortunate. We have our moments. We're, we're, we're looking at four tropical depressions in the Atlantic right now, and uh, oof, it could be good in the next few few weeks. Uh, I was also born in Maine, so I am an East Coaster. Hey, oh, there we go. All right. Don't think we're you not going to brag about that one. No, I didn't spend a lot of time there, but uh, yeah, I've, I've got some heritage. You know, I've, I've spent my time on the East Coast. Um, I've had a lot of fun there, actually. I bet. We used to um, we used to host the uh, Stubby's Trials many years ago there at uh, Sebastian Inlet. Yeah. And so uh, that was exciting stuff. Have you gotten back to Surf Maine at all? No, but as far north as I went was uh, Rhode Island in the middle of winter. Okay. And um, that, you know, knee deep in snow. And, and every surfer has to have that experience at some point, you know. Yeah. And uh, the surf was damn good. But, uh, oh, man, that, the, the challenges that East Coast surfers face. That's why they're so stoked. And that's why there's more there's more champions from the East Coast than anywhere else in the United States. Yeah, that's right. Did you hang with Sid Abruzzi up there? In- yeah, the package. Yeah, <laughs> man, he's a whole different world, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. wow. 
surfing ruggles you know yeah sure sure they just premiered his uh biodoc in front of i think it was like like two thousand, three thousand people at one of the fort amphitheaters out there in uh, newport sure oh, it doesn't God. surprise me he reached he reached a lot of people with his craziness you know he's he's really reached a lot of people you know and um that surfing that surf skate spirit you know um yeah. that he personified he really lived it i mean he, he's he's you know who he he's our um uh iggy pop oh you yeah know? yeah i like it the guy the guy that's really lived it and yeah. looks it you know? <laughs> no kidding yeah well uh, uh back to uh our our chat today i see you have a kandui resort uh shirt on and i i think i remember from david's uh podcast which i'll i'll just tell listeners real quick Matt's recorded a couple of really good podcasts so far, and we didn't want to overlap too much on the material. Definitely, we want to overlap on the book, but I definitely uh, feel like those topics are are, are covered. And um, you you were or still are affiliated with Kandui Resort in a way, right? Oh yes, yeah, fantastic. Um, you know, when you live in Bali, um, you you obviously take in the whole archipelago yeah. is yours, you know? So we've got Mentawai, we, we have, you have connections everywhere. And that, and the fact that I was once involved in the charter business, uh, and I actually lived in Padang, West Sumatra for a number of years. No kidding. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we did all our aid work there after the tsunami. So, you know, it's a personal connection. So I don't, I don't have any really any business involvement with them at all, but, um, I helped them with a few promos and, when I show up, uh, I help entertain the guests and keep everybody happy in the water, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think my man on on the right here, and I went in 2014. We were actually at Kandui Villas next door, but they, um, sure. John's been a medic there for the last, I don't know, five years. I mean, actually, we took a break the last three or four years, but before COVID, he was a medic out there every year, and I would go along when he was there. And um, oh, that's exciting. I'm so that's a really interesting subject that I'd love to talk about, actually, myself being an, an emergency medical technician. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that the work, the medical work I've done out in the Mentawai is is I'd be arrested for it in America. Yeah. You know, um, you know but it's needed, uh, particularly after uh, our terrible loss of one of the sons of Bali that we felt very close to, which is Makala. Yeah. After terrible tragedy for many, many years ever since the tsunami 2005 even the tsunami was in 2004 but in 2005 after our aid work i wanted to create a legacy project of an ambulance boat which i think is needed out there desperately and particularly now with the advanced development is going on with the airport and all this sort of stuff going on um i i believe that uh, a permanent ambulance uh, boat and an emergency response boat is needed if if we're actually going to continue the responsibility. Um, and the good news is there's a lot of interested parties and it may come under corporate responsibility and we just might get the government involved. And uh, we certainly have enough um, skilled surfers and skilled people and, and certainly enough skilled captains to pull this off. So we're really hoping that uh, we're really hoping that it comes to fruition. It's needed. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so just a little background. I'm uh, my day job here is I'm a firefighter and an EMT um, here in Florida. And uh, when I, I grew up here in Florida, went to lived in California for 10 years, went to college out there and uh, became friends with Zach Keenan. 
um, who was the general manager there at Candoe Villas for a long time, I think, gosh, almost 15 sure. years. And, uh, sure and after Kevin and I did the, the first film festival, that was our deal was that if we didn't go broke and we actually made a little bit of money, we were going to go to Kandui, um, which we did. And I had lost track of Zach over the years after I moved back to Florida. And, uh, and then you, you take the two days of travel from the East coast to get there. And, and then, sure. um, here, here Zach pops up on the dock, handing me a coconut as I get off the boat. And I'm like, no way. And, uh, and then, yeah, we were catching up and, and I, he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm a firefighter and, you know, medic. And he's like, oh, he's like, cool. You want to come work here? And um, so, yeah, that. Oh, led, that's fantastic. Led to a bunch of years. That's just fantastic. You know, I just that, that, that is a, a, such good news. You know, um, I want you to know how much I respect firefighters and how much I I wish that uh, we could in a perfect world, we could take our taxes and direct them where we want them to go. You know, I would say, Hey, I'll write the check, man, but can we give it to the San Francisco fire department, please? Yeah. You know, cause if I call them, they're going to show up and you know, they're going to help me, you know, yeah. like if we could, if we could only choose that. And then the other firefighter I always loved from the East coast was, uh, uh, Peter Hodgson, Peter Hodgson. Um, I don't know if you remember him, but he I don't was, know. He, he was a, a firefighter EMT and his beat was uh, Sebastian Inlet and mm. him and my, him and myself and my brother, Sam were involved in uh, uh, lightning strikes that happened there and took out two surfers. And I'm very proud to say that with the firefighters help uh, and all the surfers help, we, we were able to save uh, two lives. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. Great. And, and just um, kind of an addendum to that um, this weekend, we're, we're doing our third quarter uh, surf film festival screening. And in conjunction with that, um, we're bringing the guys out from Bragg Group in Hawaii, and they're teaching mm -hmm. a two-day uh, water safety seminar. They call it a surf responder class, which is a really cool name, I think. Um, but yeah, what those guys are doing on a on a global level to educate folks and uh, doesn't necessarily have to be about big waves. In fact, it's not. It's about just being in the water and having those skills that we should all have. Um, if we're going to, if you're going to travel and you're going to surf all over the world, you, uh, you ought to know some of these basic things. So yeah, we're excited to bring that here to central Florida for the first time this weekend. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. And I'll tell you something that's really positive and beautiful about the surfing world is how many countless times you and you and I, all, all three of us have been in the water and there's an emergency and surfers all go to each other. I've, I've seen the uh, people paddle towards sharks um, you know, um, injuries, drownings, uh, uh, even, even, str even strangers in the, in the shore break. I think surfers, yeah. it's just something about us that really makes us help each other out there. And to have just a little bit of training to in increase our abilities. I'm with you a hundred percent. That's fantastic. I bet you've seen a lot go down in the, in the, in the middle of nowhere, actually, where yeah. it's just going to be, uh, you know, the brotherhood of man at that point. So, and, you know, my son Jack is actually going to uh, do his EMT certification starting next Saturday, too. I'm real excited for him. Follow oh, that's exciting, yeah. man. Right on. Yeah, follow sure, we, I, sure, I've seen a lot. And uh, out here, um, you know, I, I become a seamstress out in the... Uh, oh, God. <laughs> in, out in the mental way. I mean, you know, I'm 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 just an EMT, man, you know. Yeah. I, but I, I'm constantly sewing people up and, and doing some stuff that I wouldn't really want to discuss here because yeah, no. you know they'd, they'd send the government over to arrest me or deport me or something but it needs to be done and and um i, I think that 
A lot of surfers travel with a first aid kit. Sure, you know, they travel with a little first aid kit, but you get the CPR and the, and the ocean rescue and just a few little procedures and how to bandage or close a wound, I think is really valuable. And uh, I I'm, I would be love to be part of any program at all that would promote that sort of thing in the surfing world. Yeah, I can imagine that, uh, that the guys at the Bragg Group, because right before COVID hit, I, I, I flew out to Hawaii and took the course there in Hawaii and met those guys and, and met Brian and uh, Pat Chong Tim and um, Zach Diano who runs the program. And then, uh, of course, mm-hmm. Cole and Mark Healy, Greg Long, those guys are the instructors. Um, wow. But right before COVID, they had, I want to say it was like 16 or 18 of these two-day safety summits scheduled all around the world. And then COVID hit and blew the whole thing up. But they're, they're slowly, they're ramping back up and they're getting that. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see a training out there in that region uh, pretty soon. And so you will definitely have to connect you with them because um, it's a fantastic training. And uh, it'd be great if Matt were affiliated with that at some point, at some point, because, Oh yeah, no, I'm wide open. To, I know those guys too. And uh, I'd be wide open to any way I could help. I've got, I got all the connections here. So yeah. absolutely, yeah, that'd be, that'd be killer. And it's funny. Cause that's, it's actually, I'm a little bit younger than you. I'm 51, but mm-hmm. it, it didn't happen in my generation either. But now I, I, I see these kids down at the inlet who are in their early 20s and they want to, you can see they want to, um, they want to be involved in surfing in some way for the rest of their life. And some sure. of them, some of them are really good surfers and, and maybe have a chance at a professional career. Some of them are, are good surfers, but probably not the contest route is going to work for them. And I tell all of them, I go, do go get your EMT. It's one semester and there's this like burgeoning existence now where you can travel and work at these surf resorts yeah. as an EMT. And you, I you just can, think that's a fantastic idea. It's yeah. a great way to see the world. And, you know, it has a lot of purpose behind it. And I think that's something that would be interesting to discuss today is yeah. the purpose of of all this wild travel that we do. And, and you know, a lot of the stories in the book are about these exotic wild places and how you get there and that sort of thing. But the 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 spirit of traveling with a purpose more than just, you know, scoring some good waves. I mean, obviously, you know, that's a driving force and, and there's a beauty to that as well. But I think one of the joys of, of being a journalist after my professional surfing was, career was every place I showed up, I there was a reason I was there. I wasn't just, you know, wandering around and, you know, drinking beer and enjoying sunsets and, you know, scoring a few bear holes. You know, it was like I was there to to cover something, to be part of something, to give something context. And what you're talking about with this, with these young men and, and women that could travel the world and and be there to to contribute and, and have context. I mean, I talk about enhancing your surfing life. Yeah. I, uh, it, it really turns me on, man. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, it's it's been. Uh, it, go ahead. Did you have a thought you wanted to finish on that? Um, no, I was just. It's actually going to segue into the next thing, but I was just going to say before we get into, t- um, you know, talking about the book. Um, you know, we've talked about the fact that you you were born in Maine, um, which arguably probably doesn't lead to a professional surfing career for most folks. So just give us a little quick rundown of, um, you know, I believe your your father was in the Navy. And mm-hmm. uh, so you moved around a bit, but give us a quick little elevator pitch on how you ended up from Maine to, you know, absolutely, yeah, being the, being the involved in the surf industry as heavily as you have been your whole life. Well, there's something I've never understood in my whole life, and it was the term Navy brats. 
um we we were because i've never we my brother sam and, I, and i'm sure you've heard of my brother sam especially filmmakers like or in film festival guys like yourself can i just um, add to that matt real quick that sam was here for a filmmaking workshop he did a one day with us in 2016 oh, oh, yeah great. it was fantastic to have him out so we spent a great weekend with matt and showed some of his work so i'll tell him i'll tell him that he's uh, I'll, I'll i'll tell him that i talked to you guys he'll be stoked um and um so it was the navy Right. So from a very early age, you know, by the time I was eight years old, I'd crossed the Atlantic twice by boat and the Pacific Ocean once. Wow. And it all and it all happened in Honolulu when my dad was stationed at Pearl there. And he was uh, something, as I said, he was something very rare in 1967. He was a single dad with three kids. And so he would just and there was no such thing as daycare then. So he'd bring down a, a case of Primo beer and he'd give it to the Beach Boys and go, hey, these guys can swim keep an eye on them and uh, I'll see you at the end of the day. And so we grew up uh, surfing right there on the beach in Waikiki and that's how it happened. And wow. I'm, I'm always thankful for the Navy that the Navy kept us near the ocean uh, our entire lives. That's a good way to learn uh, from those folks on the beach. And sure. uh, yeah, revolving back to, I mean, I know you've made it to central California and you, and you spent some time down uh, working for the magazines, mostly on the road doing uh, you know, minimum five days with your profile subjects. Um, this this might seem a little weird, but as an intro to the book, and uh, I'll 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 put the uh, aid work and and the surf stories associated with that on the back burner for now. But would you mind reading something for me from your book? No, not at all. Okay. I'd love to. Um, um, and we can edit this out if you didn't don't want to do this. But this this struck no. me today as an amazing happy to. few paragraphs. So what sort of time, uh, what, what sort of time do you want to, well, like if, what, like a minute? I feel like the first two pages of the seduction of Kelly Slater is some sure. profound, unbelievable writing. And just to, re yeah, just to remind it's people what sure. surf writing used to look like. Um, yeah. I would be honored if you would just read those first two pages and, and you I can mean, read I that little forward that. too and explain to everybody how maybe it got changed at the last minute. Sure. No, that, that's what's, that's the best part of it. I was just talking to Kelly the other day about it and we got a big kick out of it. There is a story at the end of this as well, which, which I love, which is called farewell to the King for now. Okay. And it was my last encounter with Kelly, which was, oh, yeah. which also, which also mentions um, this story because we still laugh about, about what that was like. But let me just uh, let me just start. I'd be more than happy to do it. And let's uh, thank you. Say I'll I'll read. Boy, I hope this doesn't take too long. But I'm gonna those first two I'm pages of it. The first yeah. two pages. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'll get to it right now. Then here we go. The seduction of Kelly Slater. This was published in Surfer Magazine in 1989. Here's the introduction. Afraid of reprisals. This story was originally edited by Surfer Magazine so that it read that I was not sleeping next to a 17-year-old Kelly Slater, but actually watching him sleep in, from the doorway of his room. The Slater family at this time was half broke, a little stucco tract house in Florida, mattresses on the floor. Kelly's dad had split. I was told by his blue-collar blue single mother that I'd be sharing a mattress on the floor with Kelly. I never understood what the big deal was, because back at Surfer Magazine, they had a whole different take. I grew up with three other brothers in one room, and we shared beds. So anyway, the following is how it really came down. 
Here's the story. He sleeps like an angel, curled up on his side, dark eyebrows slightly raised, hugging his pillow to his chin. His startling moss-green eyes retired for the day. An extraordinary young man in saintly repose, a face at peace with a world that is treating him so kindly, or so it would seem. Lying next to him in bed, I listen to the sounds of the night, Kelly's measured breathing, the hissing of the nearby Atlantic Ocean, its gummy breeze sifting through the palms, and strangely, the low snorting of two manatees rolling by in the lagoon system that laces itself through the backyards of Cocoa Beach, Florida. I glance at the alarm clock. It is 3.02 a.m. on a January school night. Kelly and I had been up slumber party talking, and the conversation had just drifted off. He was gone in seconds. Now and then the night wind would lift the tattered sheet that was nailed up over his open window and speared its way around the room. In one corner, there were a few taped and split packing boxes overflowing with surf trophies. In another was a single battered chest of drawers, and across the room was a closet with its sliding door off its grooves, and hanging inside was what looked like a salesman's ultimate sample rack of every surf apparel manufacturer in the business. Wetsuits, t-shirts, sweats, trunks, shorts, sandals, the works, most of their hang tags still dangling. These labels would spin slowly in the wind and it made an odd looking mobile. On the cool tile floor, Kelly and I were lying on a frayed mattress under a quilted blanket under a quilted blanket that the movers had left behind. The look and feel of this household had been a surprise to me from the start, considering Kelly Slater's golden child public image and the teen beat marketing that he had experienced. I'd expected something a bit more silver spoon, but there were no pretenses here. This was salt of the earth stuff. From the moment I walked in the house, a white stucco track unit at the end of a small cul-de-sac in Cocoa Beach, I'd been treated like family. And since I'd been raised in a crowded house with three brothers, I barely batted an eye when his mother, Judy, told me I'd be bunking on the deck with Kelly. There was no couch in the place. Judy was an EMT, volunteer firefighter, bartender, and currently looking for a fourth job to make ends meet. I was told stepfather Walker, just Walker, was a boat engine mechanic somewhere in town. He wasn't around during my visit. I wasn't sure if this was intentional. Older brother Sean and younger brother Stephen were around though. They were in the next room on their mattress. The family had been nomadic for three years now, ever since Judy's divorce from the children's natural father, Stephen Slater, the bait shop owner. Rumors of his hard drinking swirled around town but the family in this house kept the truth and kept those cards close to their chest. It was also understood that Father Stephen had plenty of Syrian blood in his veins to add to Judy's Irish, hence Kelly's olive skin and those green eyes of his. Judy and her boys have been keeping a lot of things in cardboard boxes lately. They'd been renting this house for the last six months, but now it too was up for sale and rumor had it that the realtor lady had found a buyer. There are a lot of rumors in Cocoa Beach, 
a place long abandoned since LBJ's ego move that stole the space industry away from this boom town and took it off to Houston, Texas. The Slater family would be moving again soon, too. No one was quite sure when. I looked at the clock, 3.05 a.m. The sheet over the window moved again. And beyond it was what Kelly Slater referred to as that whole world out there. Funny how he'd put it that way, as if it were a separate entity lying in wait, a kaleidoscope of expectations. Holy shit. That's good stuff, man. Beautiful. Beautiful writing. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You know, I don't, I don't know where you're going to find that these days, man. No, you know? uh, it's, it's so good. I'm a, I'm an avid, uh, New Yorker reader. No problem. I'm an avid New Yorker reader. And, uh, I, I see good journalism, obviously from our man, uh, Will Finnegan, uh, Bill Finnegan, sure. but, uh, the, uh, you know, the writing like that just doesn't come around much. And uh, I, it was really nice to hear you read that. Thank you for doing that. Well, it was really my pleasure. I, I It was a very special story to me. And and in, in many ways with this book, um, you know, Kelly's great victory when he was 50 years old at the uh, Pipe Masters, it, it, it's almost a bookend of this era. This All the stories in this book are almost bookended by Kelly's career. And I was just so moved when he called me and said man i heard about this book would you mind if i if i wrote the forward for it and i said well yeah, yeah, sure you know so um that was really exciting to have his his involvement pardon me <coughs> no to problem. have kelly's involvement not only in these very personal stories that i tell throughout his career but the fact that he wrote this uh, a very personal forward he did a great job of it. He he has written a couple of things. He's been to our festival a couple of times, and uh, every once in a while, I'll say, "Hey, what would you think of this movie?" And he'll write me a paragraph of beauty, like you're referring to, and that was in your forward. And uh, your preface is also very good, by the way. I, I really enjoyed it. Brought me back to a lot of memories, and I uh, I think I communicated to you that uh, you know you were my driving force for exploration early in my life. I, I wasn't a big reader. And I might have been guilty of paging through for photos in the magazines early. 
Um, I didn't really become a big reader until I was sitting down to study for the CPA exam and got distracted by, you know, like I think the, the first book that I read and realized that I'm going to be a reader from now on was, uh, no one here gets out alive. It was about Jim Morris. Sure. Yeah. Great. Biography. Sure. And, and then I started reading some Jack Kerouac and all this stuff, went down a rabbit hole and got, uh, you know, a literature degree eventually and all, all this. Um, but it brought me back to what it does in fact do is this book brings me back to all of the work, the early work that you did that I may have missed in, in mm. being too much of a TV freak. And, and I was that I was TV movies, uh, saw you on Ira's surfer magazine. Um, we've sure. had, we've had Ira out here and, uh, told a lot yeah. of great stories about you and him, you know, stranded on boats or something. Yeah. But, uh, crazy stuff, yeah. yeah. Well, it just, it was something that lived in my VCR uh, and on repeat of, of having you introduce movies and, and surf locations and destinations and personalities of the sport. And for guys who weren't heavy into the written word, it was, um, I, I can't discount it. it. It was a big part of my friends and, and our life. And like I said, two days after I graduated high school, I was on the way to Costa Rica with those guys good for you yeah all right man yeah so nice. you know it it wasn't easy for any of us so many people say oh matt you're so lucky your world of traveling and surfing the whole thing luck my ass yeah you know <laughs> jesus that took a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice and a, a lot of financial sacrilege and you know a lot of a lot of real chances you know lucky me bullshit yeah <laughs> Yeah, you said I up made that happen. Yeah, sacrifices. just the way you made it, the way you made it happen. And I really like, I really like your point about that. Like when I grew up, you know, I wasn't, you know, some egghead in the back, you know, reading Joseph Conrad. I was watching all the movies, and you know, you don't think that Five Summer Stories changed my life. That was like, I, I was like going to church, you know. And so I understand that that the visuals of surfing and and the combination of film and music was so important to people of 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 our vintage, you know. Um, th this this combination of 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 these artists that were able to capture this this mystique and this world that we that so captured us, and so um, I, I think it was really important and and to be able to have appreciated surf films all your life. These days, these you know young people have clips; they have these little clips, and you know they're, they they don't have a real chance to express themselves. Or I don't really know if it's capturing the spirit of what gets surfers even today you know the surfer that surfs for the first time at eight years old i don't know if these are giving these people enough and and i do worry about that i do worry about the the approach of ai and chat gtp and you know communicating with uh, emojis and single word responses rather than really really thinking about what we're doing and why we're obsessed with this. Um, I, I think that it's, I think that real movies and real stories will, will always be important because they're going to be our cave paintings. You know, these are the things that are going to last forever that you can't just scroll by. You don't want to scroll by your surfing life. I, I just, I really believe that if you're serious about your surfing and you're really obsessed with it, look into it, man. You know, because like I say, if you don't look into surfing, it's not going to look into you. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, I, I'm enjoying your book already, as you know. And uh, 
just a pleasure to have you on this podcast to share some surf stories too. And uh, I was trying to give you a little heads up on that. It's always sometimes an awkward moment on this podcast that we do when we say, hey, tell us a surf story. And, you know, you see somebody's, you know, blank space comes over their face despite a couple of emails in front of it. But I mean, hey, we that's what we live for. Uh, you've been telling stories your whole life. And, yes. uh, you know, uh, you are a natural storyteller. So do you have any uh, topics like you said, the aid that you've uh, provided people in need all over the world from mm-hmm. Pakistan to I mean, the, like you said, the tsunami in Indonesia, sure. uh, I'll shut up now. I'll let you tell us some stories. While, while he's, uh, while, while you're thinking about that a little bit, I'll just remind our listeners too, like that, that was the whole impetus for this podcast. Um, you know, we started the podcast when, uh, COVID struck and we couldn't do the film festival. We wanted a way to stay connected to our fans and our listeners and maybe create a larger listening audience. And for Kevin and I, like we've been saying, like you could open the magazines back in the day and you could get these great yarns about adventure and about danger and about hilarity. And those are the things that prompted us to want to go out and do all this traveling. And that doesn't exist anymore. And that's heartbreaking for us. And so that was the idea was that let's let's do this podcast. Let's try to get some of these stories documented so that uh, they don't just evaporate. Well, you know, I I don't I I believe that the adventure is still very much alive. And I think that surfers are really on the cutting edge of travelers because again, it's for that purpose. We are seeking liquid gold. We are seeking treasure. And it's important to us and it connects us with the world and it connects us with cultures and it connects us with with ro- with the romance of, of of the surfing world that I still believe exists. For example, just recently we've had four surfers lost at sea in the Mentawai, mm. you know and this was a full-on shipwreck and they've lost one of the people on the boat and you know these are wild adventures that still happen in the surfing world and are still available f- for these young people yes travel has become easier yes you can go to the Kandui villas yes you can hop on a Mentawai boat that uh, you know thousands of other people have done but it is still a personal adventure because the most valuable thing that these stories, all of our stories reflect is the individuality of the surfer. Every surfer is a completely individual entity. And this adventure is still available to one and all. And what I've learned in my time, which is extraordinary, is that surfers are there to help. And we are so perfectly made to help when it comes to these big emergencies that you encounter out there in the world. Like right now, who's leading the charge in Maui? Who is leading the charge in Lahaina? I'll tell you who is, a bunch of surfers, okay? And the reason why is because we are physically fit. We are fit of mind. We have traveled the world. We are colorless. We are unbigoted. We We are thankful and grateful for these experiences that happen around us as we are seeking our high in these waves. And so it's been my experience that surfers are tailor-made for emergency and emergency aid work, and especially with natural disasters. Because surfers, every time you paddle out, you're involved in a natural disaster. These waves are (laughs) crushing you. You know what I mean? And as soon as you wipe out, the, the stopwatch starts, man. You're drowning until you get back to the surface. We know disaster. 
It happens to us on a physical level, uh, physical level all the time. So when we're in, uh, we're, when we're in Indonesia and there's a tsunami, we're on it. Okay. When the hurricane uh, made land in uh, uh, Katrina in New Orleans, we got on our jet skis. We went through, we're on it, you know, um, you know, the Lahaina fire, we're on it, man, you know? So I'm just, I, I think that the adventure is still there. And I guess, I hope I can relate the fact that surfers are tailor-made to help because of their travel experience and what it does to a human being. That's fantastic. I just know that uh, your uh, your heart, as big as it is, to help these uh communities get their uh, feet back on the ground, back in a home, back in a, some kind of shelter or away from danger at the, at the time they need it the most in their life where they're, they're looking to their government. They're not finding it. They're looking to, you know, the world and, uh, and there you are helping out. You've done it before. And uh, I mean, what, what's one of your crazier experiences getting people back on their feet or, or you, you want to share a, a specific example? Sure, I'd love to. But I do want to say I want to use the word we. Yeah. Thank you for saying me and 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 singling me out as an individual. But of course, this is the surfing tribe that comes together. I may have been in a leadership position, and I've also been in a in in a follower position. I've been I've been a, a, you know everything from a private to a, an admiral in these sort of situations. And it's when surfers come together in the tribe. But one of the great stories, one of the greats, which is just hilarious. And uh, <clears throat> pardon me, just getting over a cold, but hang on. One of the great stories was when we had this wild idea in Padang, West Sumatra, that we were going to hold the first test tsunami evacuation of a, of, of a city of over a million people. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, no, we got it on. Okay. So here's what we did. It's hilarious. The first thing I thought was, okay. This city is really vulnerable. Penang is really vulnerable, and it's important to surfers because it's the crossroads of the surfing world when it comes to the men's way. Okay, so we know our purpose. Secondly, here's what we're going to do. There's one hill in Padang that you can see in the right in the middle of town, and there's a water tower on the top. And I thought, okay, perfect. We're going to go to a little district, and we're going to do a mini evacuation. And the way we're going to do this is we're going to go to all the schools because the kids will be so so stoked to get out of school in the middle of the day, okay? <laughs> yeah. And you know this is how this is how we're going to get attention from the government and the whole thing. So with no permission whatsoever, we ran around <laughs> my myself and my my wonderful team, including the local some local people from Padang, ran around talking to the elementary schools around that were adjacent to this hill. Okay, so here we go. Now we needed a siren. Okay, we needed something to kick it off. And my friend, Charlie Josal, who runs the local chandlery, dug through the back of his little warehouse. And he goes, I think this will work. It was a World War II era Japanese air siren. Okay, <laughs> The kind that you crank with your hands. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Right. Full on. And I'll never forget out in front of his little business there in, in uh in Padang, I said, all right, let's kick this thing off. Let's see what it sounds like. And it was so ear-splittingly loud. Oh, God. <laughs> the, the cops showed up and all like, oh, Jesus, sorry. And the mosques were upset with us. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay, so anyway, so what we did was we got on top of the hill. We told all the schools we're all ready to go. 
and we got uh, my friend David Lupo was up on the roof of one of the elementary schools with his air siren. And I swear to you, I signaled him with a mirror. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And said, kick this thing off. And off it went. And all of a sudden, oh my God, have you ever kicked an anthill? Oh God. As a kid, have you yeah. done that? Oh, yeah. Yep. We looked down and the ent- the siren was so loud that the entire a third of the entire town just was out in the streets and moving towards us. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Pardon me at the top of the hill. And I'm like, Oh my God. And everyone's just coming up. This road is packed thousands and thousands of people, kids frolicking and jumping, having the time of their life. The sirens still going off. The cops, they don't know what to do. Everything's going crazy. Yeah. And all of a sudden we get, we it gets so jammed at the top that Everyone said, thank God there was a water tower because we were able to give some people some water and all that. And um, what happened was everything calmed down, but we heard this noise and it was an interesting noise. And can you hear that? You know, what is that? And also, we... and it's music. And we're like, what, what is this music? It, it sounds like, it sounds like Scotland the Brave. Oh, yeah. What had happened was one of the elementary schools in preparation of this great event had decided to pay tribute to us boules, us white people, <laughs> by learning a rousing Scottish spiritual. Okay. <laughs> and it was the it was the marching recorder band. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Little kids with their recorders playing Scotland the Brave. But the trouble was that they were walking up the hill. Now, marching bands are usually on level ground yeah and these poor little kids were trying to catch their breath so it sounded like this classic and we were just it was so cute we're just like get some water down to those kids tell them to stop playing music and get up here and it was just hilarious the mayor showed up and you know took credit for the whole thing and we were happy about that and you know in the end boys it worked you know, it worked. And I like to think to this day, those kids that would now be, you know, 10, 15 years old, that if, in fact, the the sirens did go off, that they would know to run up that hill, yeah. you know. So th- at least there's that. And uh, it, it was it was a real wild experience. But only surfers do this kind of thing. You know? yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I and I assume that they've decked out Padangna with uh tsunami horns and uh and the and the likes but like it is a very difficult city to move around in if something oh, yes. critical should happen and well i mean this the nearest point of uh a life-saving altitude could be yeah you know that's so i love that city it's a it's an and, interesting and it led city. to it, it actually led to a meeting with the president of indonesia phenomenal uh, yeah. indonesia the president of Indonesia showed up to uh, dedicate the uh, the airport and he heard about these crazy surfers that were doing this stuff. And he said, I, I, I want to meet these guys, you know? So the, he met the team, we, you know, we talked a little bit and shook hands and I'm like, Oh mate, you know, the president come to see us. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, it, it was wild. It was, uh, it was really wild. I really encourage any surfer that travels to get involved in the local community. You know, yeah. even if it's just bringing a bunch of shoes to the orphanage or, mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, I'm not Gandhi. I'm not Mother Teresa. I, you know, I'm I'm no I'm no different than anyone else. But just we got we got some room in our board bags. Throw in the t-shirts and the shoes and the whatever. Yeah. And just you know, do something. 
do something. Okay, great know? advice. Yeah. Well, great and advice. one of the easiest things is uh, water filters. Because that's something sure. that we, we take that for granted and, and having, you know, been fortunate enough to travel a lot, um, you know, you go to a lot of these remote places and that's their, one of their, like, a good portion of their day is taken up with finding fresh water and securing sure. fresh water for their family. And then another portion is taken up with securing food. Um, and and that's something, there there's a, a few surfers that uh, do, I know John uh, Rose has his organization, um, you know, where he, Fantastic. you know, that's, uh, you can buy these little filters that, um, I think they're about 25 bucks or something sure. and all you need is a five gallon bucket to put it together. And that'll give a family clean, a family of five, I think clean water for like two years or something like that. It's amazing. Sure. To look for things like that, just simple things. It doesn't have to be a huge financial investment. I mean, even if you brought one or two of those things over for two families, it's something yeah. and it gets you involved in, it's more than just being the nice guy or the nice woman that decides to help out. It gets you involved in where you are. It gets you also involved in your own surfing story, you know, um, which is important that that these these trips that we go on and these exotic waves that we find and these extraordinary lengths that we go to, these stories are personal stories that make us who we are um as individuals is really important and this is a great way to really add to your own personal story so that when you're maybe back home and you are staring at the ceiling falling asleep and you have your memory of your trip to the Maldives or whatever you might have a little smile on your face knowing that there's a kid there that's you know wearing some sandals absolutely you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's special yeah it, it, a few of my friends have actually taking that on, uh, especially when they find a place they like and they end up going back, uh, they make an effort to uh, add to the community. Um, one of my friends, Kevin Schlott, and you know, spends a lot of time in Selena Cruz. So it, when he's down there, he's raising money for uh, the local sure. schools and uh, giving back to the place that he loves so much. And I think that's a great, you know, great example of, of what other people can do. And um, I, I've heard you talk about you going on a trip whether it be for work or pleasure you know not really caring if the waves are that good and if you score you score but this is a trip mm -hmm. about your individualism your 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 desire to travel see other cultures and experience the the places and the people of the world so um, along those lines where is and or what would be a good story of where you didn't carry a lot of expectations to score and uh, you ended up with some of the best waves of your life? Um, I would have to say it, with 17,500 islands in this archipelago yep. where I live now in Bali, you know, um, the, the, the surf, it, it almost becomes secondary yeah. because not only is, is our road trips and our strike missions and our our, our missions that we need to go surfing, not only are they just, they're guaranteed to be two things. One, they're guaranteed to be wildly exotic. And secondly, and, and they're, they're filled with new sights and sounds and smells and food and culture. And secondly, there's always waves around. And particularly when you get to be a surfer of my vintage, you know, um, the, 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 the whole idea of just going to one place because the swell's coming and you're going to get the waves and you've got to get out there. It's, it, 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 it diminishes because as you build up all this experience, you realize that there's so much more to what's happening. And you get to, I, I believe that 
the enlightened surfer gets to a stage where the surf trip is an absolute win-win situation. You cannot lose if you just get out there. Um, and uh, a case in point was my latest trip to the Maldive Islands. And the waves were small and the wind was tricky and the whole thing. But my God, we were on this boat and we're terracing around the equator. And, you know, there's all these wild sites and the ocean is alive and we actually surfed with whale sharks and you know it's like how do you lose you know you, right. you you can't lose so um yeah i would say that the the most recent was my trip to the maldives but i will say that uh in in my younger years when i lived in california uh, we were baja warriors man we loved baja i just love the whole freedom and feeling of the of desert surfing desert surfing with that huge open sky and those big desert offshore winds and just the just that 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 you know the dirtiness of it and the down and dirtiness of it all and the tents and the and 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 the uh, the ocean that's so real and alive baja was really special to us and we would go down there and we would hope for the south swell sure but even if it didn't arrive and the surf was smaller or marginal we never came back without a huge smile on our face and sunburns and never been so dirty in our lives and it was just like paradise you know? mm, yeah well that moon dust in the arroyo is just creeps up your calves doesn't it it just it's sticks just there fantastic, through your you know, toes the, it puffs up between your toes i love it that whole psychedelic desert groove you know that's just so you know beer never tasted so good you know <laughs> and, right. and it it's just so to me baja really holds a really special place where you can't lose if you go there you just can't lose that's great. Do we, any any particular uh, spot in, or tr I don't know. You don't want to give away too much, but Baja is largely uncovered. And I, if you have a secret spot, keep it secret. But you know what I'm saying. No, you no, know? there's no secret. I, yeah. Of course, Scorpion Bay back in the day when you had to take a, you know, it was a little sandy dirt road that that you know, three beer cans on a stick on the main highway. That's where you turn right. Yeah. And, you know, it's of course it's very different now. Development and. Yeah. Surf development is, is is very much a part of our lives, and of course the the glorious little island of Natividad, you yeah. know, Isla Natividad, that little corner, that tiny little corner. It's it's not even as big as a football field, and yet it would draw us, all of us, and great surfers and 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 and, and civilian surfers alike, you know, to this little corner at the bottom of this little island that was just a little sand spit, and just the waves are just so remarkable and so great to ride and you know you're living in tents with your with your brothers and and uh you know you 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 worked very hard to get there and you're there for one reason but it was just such a such a brotherhood and that sky at night and and just that feeling of space you know particularly that feeling of space i often wonder about surfers who have grown up in uh, as urban surfers you know, and um, and have never had the opportunity to 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 be around the, just this wild open space. Um, I, I think it's really important for for a surfer to feel that. Uh, as I've said, I, I believe that having surfed in you know learned in Hawaii and then Northern California and Central California, the land became very much a part of my surfing experience. The land to me was as important as the sea to be able to look in and see Big Sur or to be able to look in and see Baja or even now to look in and see the great limestone cliffs of 
Uluwatu, you know, it, to have that as part of your surfing experience, I, I think is really important to realize that, that, you know, the land doesn't stop at the edge of the, of the sea. It just goes underwater. And, and so that land is very much a part of, of, of what we, of what we seek when, when, when we travel. And, you know, you can have this adventure as an 11 year old at, 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 in Cocoa Beach or New Smyrna. If you go down to your beach and there's a little surf break and you paddle out and you look back in and you go, you know, that's my land. That's my town. That's, that's my place. You know, I, I think that there's, there's a great deal of adventure and, I think it will really enhance your surfing experience, having a connection with the land that you're surfing. Yeah, if I'm being out traveling in in a foreign uh, environment, really enriches that experience too. Great, you know, at home, absolutely appreciate what you have. But that uh, desert camping, as you talk about, I spent one night at Abriojos with my sure. brother, with my brother driving down and uh that was enough for me i i actually the wind blew pretty hard and there were a lot of flies and so at some sure. point the wave sure. was good we got in the water but uh yeah. we were looking for uh warmer climbs as they say sure. and I, I, I think it's important to remind folks too that um that that all still exists um, you know, for, uh, for 40, 50 years now, we've been saying, oh man, all the good surf has been discovered and there's nowhere left that's uncrowded. And it's just not true. Um, you know, even in this day and age, um, there's just, there's more and more places that keep getting found and, um, maybe they're a little fickle, but, um, yeah, that, that adventure definitely, uh, is still available for anybody that wants to find it. And, um, and I feel like it's the, it's the biggest, uh, teacher of empathy. Uh, is travel. Um, yes. And so it's so important for us. It's, it's a better education than I, than I ever got in school. I got from travel. Um, of course. And so, yes. yeah, I just would encourage anybody that's listening. Uh, don't, don't believe any of that out there that says, uh, Oh, it's all, it's all been found. It's all been discovered. There's gosh, there's so many cool places, some with great waves, some with fun waves, some with no waves, but uh, there's so much out there to see and de- definitely get out there and see it. Oh, there's plenty. There's plenty of adventure out there. There's no question about it. And you know, when we see these the the clips of the, of, of the big pros, it all seems so easy and unobtainable. You know, they they cart them around. They like you know they put them in front of perfect waves and they film everything. And there it is. And you know, it seems like oh wow. You know, like I I, I how would my surfing ever get to that level? You know, well it's easy. And and I think all three of us talking right now have done it. It's just a matter of getting out there and saying you're going to do it. And once you say, I'm going to Costa Rica, by God, I'm, I'm going to Costa Rica. And whether that means you're 15 years old and you're a bus boy somewhere and you're saving up your pennies or whatever it is, that's where it starts. It starts with saying, I'm going there and I'm going to do that. Um, and again, that is the value of the individuality of surfing, which is which is something that a lot of people don't think about that they bring to the actual face of a wave in these places. We do bring something very unique to a face of a wave wherever we go. We bring our physical individuality. There is not one single surfer on earth that looks like another on the face of a wave. We are as different as snowflakes. We're as different as fingerprints. Something about our kinetic energy that mixes with a wave that contorts our bodies into these into these dance poses. We all hold our hands different. We all surf differently. 
we can stare out into the into the sunny glare and you can see someone surf and go, that's Bobby or that's my brother or that's Kelly or whatever it is, because these waves contort us individually into these postures and this style that we have that's very individual. And we take this to Neos and we take this to Costa Rica and we take this to Jay Bay and we take it to these places. And this is something to really consider about the surfing that you that you do on the on the face of a wave wherever you travel wherever you go know that you're bringing that to this place and that you should honor it and celebrate it and get out there and get it on and be as stylish as you possibly can because you're bringing something completely unique and completely yours yeah yeah that's well said and uh, i feel like your book does a good job of that. What you did was you took that little uh, jumping off point and, and went deep into these folks' lives and pulled it together in a beautiful way, influenced by some great writers. I've heard you talk about your influences with Matt Barr and the, uh, sure. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, uh, well, we should celebrate as you have this collection of writing and uh, push it out there to the fans because I know just from you reading the the you know the first few paragraphs of Kelly's article, uh, they're going to be taken back, um, op- eyes opened, uh, be stoked to go travel again. Um, sure, but, but these profiles are fantastic, and and I know you have more work coming down the road in the in the form of books, right? So what what have you yes, got? Yes, I'm very excited. Got? Tell me. But I'd also like to mention too is that I have always been a major proponent of female surfing. I, I'm not sure where that came from. Um, it could have been my mother was a school teacher. Um, my my the oldest member of, of our children was my sister. So, you know, so I had an older sister or something. Mm. But I've also I've, I've also always been a big believer in female surfing. And there's some female stories in this book. And I'd like to know. I'd just like to let any female surfers out there that are considering this book to know that that female surfers are, are represented in this book uh, in a very powerful way. I, I have learned in, in my profiles that I've done with these famous surfers like Elaine Beachley and Kiala and Lisa Anderson and all these greats is that the men I have found have been very vulnerable and the women have been very powerful. I've found that they've been more powerful than the men when it comes to the challenges that they've faced and the the misogyny and and the the bigotry and the physical differences and the pressures of of of, of uh, the ideals of beauty and and all these things these women have faced these challenges head on and I have found that the the women that I have written about uh, to me have been powerful as opposed to the men who have been very vulnerable. Hmm. I think you, you are, your book is representative of that. As you say, there are many stories in there of uh, personalities that um, represent the, the power and, and the, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, there's, it's all there of the female uh, portion of our sport that was early on too. Like you, you have been doing this at surfer magazine early on and, uh, you know, we shouldn't go Since around. The 80s, to, yeah. I mean, it was what we is what you should have done. You did what you should have done, which was document the whole sport. 
from both yes. perspectives. And uh, thank you for that. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for being such a fan of the book. Um, I think that in today's world, like I, I keep mentioning these things as cave paintings, you can't just make these go away. I was just last night, I was having dinner with uh, Doug Claw Warbrick, uh, oh, yeah. the creator the creator of Rip Curl. And we've mm. been mates, you know, like forever, you know, for 40 years or something. And, you know, he's, he's getting on in years, of course. And um, he, he was, he was just so pleased that some of these stories are being captured forever, you know, in, in, in a tone, in a literary tone like this. And again, that there's a lot of contemporary stories in here too. This is, this is not a walk down memory lane, um, there, there's, you know, a lot of contemporary stories and contemporary essays about, you know, our surfing life. So it's not just like, uh, it's not a history book. It's not a memoir. And like I say, it's great in the bathroom because you yeah. can <laughs> just thumb through, thumb through it and find short stories and essays and different things that you want to read. And, you know, you can live with this book, you know, you don't have to sit and read it straight through. You can, you can read it in any, any, um, chronological order that you like Absolutely. and um I, I was just stoked that that, that claw was glad to, he was glad that the, these stories are getting captured and believe me he's yeah. in a few of them too is that it guy's a character. i uh, met i met him so... on a on the huey in uh 2000 sure um he was there <laughs> sure. with all the rip curl boys doing their corporate retreat and uh classic i was wearing my rip curl watch i was walking around like hey i don't know if you know yeah, this but sure <laughs> Sure, he's a classic. You know, thinking of that, just uh, last night was the world premiere here of uh, the movie called Kangs. It's the new uh, 25-minute film by Rip Curl where they took um, Gabriel Medina, Mick, and Mason Ho, and, um, pardon me, and um, they brought him to South Australia, put him in a couple four-wheel drives and cut him loose. Wow. And it was so neat to see that desert surfing again. And, yeah. What I loved about it was that the waves they got were 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 for the common people. They, it wasn't big slabs or crazy stuff. It's all small to medium surf, and it it was like it's like watching a surf trip of us three going on a trip. You know what I mean? They yeah. just happen to be the most insane surfers on earth, and um, it's really neat. I, I suggest that if I'm sure it's online, look it up. It's called Kangs, okay. and um, it, it's a trip, man. And it'll give you that desert groove. It'll give you the desert vibe. That's great. That's so cool. Well. Um, I'll, uh, I'll be in touch later, Matt. Um, it, this has been a real treat catching up with you and you spending time with us. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank absolutely. you so much. I you know I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of the East coast basically because every time I go there, the surf's insane. You know, well, so. we'll plan a trip, plan a trip because oh, we need surf. Please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really enjoyed this and I, I'm a big fan of, of surf films and surf film festivals and I'll support you guys in, in, in any way I can. And, just thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And consider this an invite to join our jury for feature documentary films. If you want, we can talk about that later. But I just wanted you to know we would love to have thank you. Thank you. I'd be I would be absolutely honored. As you know, I've I've made a few surf films, as yeah. as you know. Yeah. Probably. Maybe, maybe <laughs> next time we can talk about my my Hollywood adventure. You know? Absolutely. So, you know. Hey, we're going and, to the Maldives uh, on the in in one month exactly. So if you want to join us on the boat, we can do it then if you like. Oh, right on. Yeah. Fantastic. That, that's, that's a hop, skip, and a jump for me. Absolutely. All right, fellas. Well, listen, have a have a great day and keep surfing. And I've really enjoyed this. And I hope that this is the beginning of a, of a connection, a lifetime connection. Uh, thank you so much, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Take care. So long. Cheers. Bye. Bye.
know, the word uh, or the term renaissance man gets thrown around a lot. It's a little bit cliched, but holy shit, man. Matt George is a renaissance man. Like surfer, philanthropist, medical worker, writer. I mean, the actor. Yeah. Like that guy can do. There's nothing that guy can't do. Yeah. It's the definition of ambition, but also like not outward, you know, false ambition. It's just, it's personal ambition. Like he wants to help people out. Yeah. And he'll go and do it. And then he wants to write a movie. He goes and does it. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's like this Norman Mailer S sort of, uh, I'm going to go after it. I'm going to write boldly. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to live my life you know, like that too. Yeah. And it's really, uh, something to admire. You don't see, I don't know. I don't, there's not very many people like Matt George. There's not. So I like that we, you know, had the opportunity to spend some time with him and, uh, the, the reverence and the honor I feel that he, you know, came on our podcast, man. It's just, it's kind of, uh, one of the best parts about this gig, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it looks like we might, uh, be doing a little book tour or assisting him with a little book tour through Florida. So we'll, we'll definitely let you guys know when that uh, is coming up, but yeah, what a cool opportunity to check out his book and, and, uh, have him sign it. So cool that he read a passage from the book uh, on the podcast. That was amazing. The seduction of Kelly Slater article was, uh, one that I read when, you know, when it came out, everybody that in our generation probably read it and then to go back and revisit it and have him read it for, or a portion of it. Yeah. That was wonderful. And, you know, this book is really good for uh, coffee. I'd say coffee table, but I mean, a toilet. I don't mind uh, yeah, saying it's a, it. It's a, just, yeah, Matt, Matt said it himself. It's a great yeah. bathroom book because it's vignette style. Yeah. Sit it's down, great. read a little chunk of, uh, of a book and a, a story or two. and With coffee and, yeah. a, and, a, and a whatever. I mean, just go for it. It's going to be uh, one of the favorite purchases. And in, in fact, Christmas present. Uh, I, I said yeah, it. Great Christmas present for anybody that surfs. Yep. You know, plan ahead. We're already in September, so. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for joining us on the podcast. Anything else, John, we yeah, should let, think? Let's thank some sponsors. Uh, Monster Energy, of course, is presenting sponsor of the Florida Surf Film Festival. Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation is the presenting sponsor of the podcast. They do the wonderful Endless Summer license plate that you can get. So uh, next time you get a license plate here in Florida, um, check that box and uh, know that that money is going directly to support nonprofit organizations that function to either preserve surfing's culture, the coastline, the beach, or they help promote the evolution of surfing's culture and the resource that we use, the ocean. So it's easy way to give back. Absolutely. The community. And then also we've got, you know, Rourke Peril, Globe Footwear, We've got uh, Yeti, Sun Sun Bum, Josh, the lawyer dude, lots of other guys who decide, hey, we're going to come out and support what we think is an important community event. Yeah. Brian Lehman, financial services, wealth management, Red Dog Surf Shop, Clancy's Cantina, Persimmon Hollow, our new beer sponsor. It's uh, couldn't couldn't be going better with those guys. So we're stoked about that. Yeah. If you're looking for who to support in New Smyrna Beach, go on our website and you'll end up at Clancy's and Cafe Verde and Kimbali and Red Dog. So absolutely. Thank you. Daytona drywall and plaster, Cooley yoga. We have some great community support. And so we just want to thank those folks. Absolutely. Great episode, John. Thanks a lot.